It's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. Welcome to the Under the Hood podcast, the official podcast of the ECHL's Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. We are ticking down to the final weeks of the 2021-22 season. It's been an eventful one for the Indy Fuel and an eventful month. I know it's been a few weeks since we have had a podcast. The volume of games the Fuel have played here at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum of late has been the priority is preparing for games and getting information for our game broadcasts, and now that the dust has settled a little bit on what has been a really busy stretch for the fuel, it's back to doing the podcast and bringing you some of the interviews that we have had as part of our game broadcasts, especially during the intermissions over the past few days. And of course, a lot has happened with the Indy Fuel. Duncan Del Mayo has taken over as the head coach of the fuel for the rest of the season, taking over for Doug Christensen. And uh, that happened back on March 14th when Duncan was elevated to the head coaching position. He has a tremendous resume, was an assistant in Brampton for a couple of years under Spiros and Ostis, has a long resume as well as a player, having been an ECHL defenseman of the year in his long professional career, and also really good as a skills coach, an individual skills coach in his hometown in the Toronto area. And glad to have Duncan aboard and leading the fuel throughout the rest of the year. And the guys seem to be really enjoying playing for him as well. And the fuel have been an above 500 teams since he has taken over. And the big problem has been that the early start that they had, where they started really slow, dug them a hole, and they've basically spent the remainder of the season climbing out of that hole and trying to get themselves back into playoff contention. As we speak, the Fuel are eight points back of a playoff spot with 10 games to go. So it's mathematically possible if the Fuel can get on a run, especially because the teams ahead of them, Wheeling and Cincinnati and Kalamazoo and Iowa, have been a little bit inconsistent of late. If the Fuel can get on a little bit of a run, they too can maybe gain some ground on those teams that are ahead of them in the standings and... Who knows? And we'll see. One thing about this team is the, there's been a lot of talent. There's been a lot of great moments. It's just been a matter of being able to do it consistently enough to dig out of that hole that they uh, found themselves in in the early part of the season. And looking at some of the milestones with this team, Spencer Watson now with 28 goals. That's three shy of the club record that he set two years ago in the COVID-shortened season. For Spencer, it's his fifth pro year and he has scored at least 20 goals in four of those five seasons. Darian Craig had also hit the 20-goal mark on Sunday in the Fuel's loss to Kalamazoo. It's another busy stretch coming up for the Fuel. A Wednesday night game on March 30th against the Cincinnati Cyclones. Then this weekend, they'll head to Wheeling on Friday and Toledo on Saturday before returning home for a 5 o'clock face-off for the final family fun day of the year as the Fuel will take on the Iowa Heart Landers for the final time at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum this season. Just five home games remain, five opportunities to see the Indy Fuel at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, 10 games overall left on the schedule. 
We've got a handful of guests that will bring you on this edition of the podcast. Among them, we'll have a chat with the Fuel's interim head coach, Duncan Del Mayo, as well as hear from Spencer Watson, the newest member of the Indy Fuel, or one of the newest members of the Indy Fuel, Tanner Butler, as well as defenseman Chris Cameron. Those will come up a little bit later on in the show. But first, let's take a look back at last week with the Fuel. And as we mentioned, it's been a bit of a whirlwind here over the last couple of weeks. And Wednesday night, the Wheeling Nailers were in town, and the Fuel had a very similar game to the one that they had the previous Sunday against Cincinnati, where they built a lead, took a one-goal lead into the third period, and then Spencer Watson tallied an insurance goal, and they added a late empty netter for a 4-1 to victory. In this one, it was actually the Fuel surrendering the first goal, but responding when Tanner Butler, playing his second game with the Fuel after being signed on Sunday, cashed in with his first career ECHL goal. It's picked off by Butler. Takes it into the zone. Butler takes it to goal. Shoots, save, rebound, loose to the crease once, twice, three times he scores! Some great stick to for Tanner Butler. And he scores his first ECHL goal in his second ECHL game. And the Fuel have tied it up at one. In the second period, Seamus Malone scored on this great play by Riley McKay and Chad Yetman. McKay did not get an assist on the play, but he cleared out the defense. Yetman took the puck, zipped it to Malone in the slot, and the Fuel had their first lead of the night. Sends it right back across, looking for Yetman in the high slot. Pass a little too far for him. Yetman takes the puck. Feeds Malone. He scores! Chad Yetman wins the puck below the goal line. And a big reason why is the work of Riley McKay. He warded off the nailer, allowed Yetman to take the puck. And he spotted Malone all alone in the slot between the hash marks. Catch, release, back of the net at the exact midpoint of the game. The Fuel lead it 2-1. to one. In the third, Spencer Watson scored his 27th goal of the year to extend the lead to 3-1. to one. Jesse Lee's up the near boards for Wheeling. Tries to play it to Josling. He was tied up by Legarier, who takes the puck into the Wheeling and feeds it across from Monda to Watson. He shoots and scores! Tic-tac goal for the Fuel as Monda takes the feed in the right wing circle. Finds Watson the trailer in the slot. Catch, release, back of the net. Spencer Watson, number 27, and the Fuel have a 3-1 to lead. Brian Lemos would add an empty netter, and the Fuel went on to win that game 4-1. to Mitch Gillum had a tremendous game in goal, stopping 24 of 25 shots. It was the second straight game in which he had allowed just one goal, and it was a really good night for the Fuel. And they followed that up with a 5-2 to two loss to Fort Wayne at home on Friday, then went on the road on Saturday night and had a wild one in Wheeling. The Fuel built leads of 2-1 to one and 3-2, to two, but 
That 3-2 to two lead was short-lived. Jared Thomas coming out of the penalty box, tallied a short-handed goal with 4-11 to go to give the fuel that lead. But with 2.31 left on the clock, Wheeling's Adam Smith tied it. And with 31 seconds left, Jared Cockrell gave the Nailers the lead. But then Seamus Malone scored 18 seconds later with 13 seconds showing on the clock with a goaltender pulled to tie the game up, and then on a power play in overtime, Malone buried his 18th goal of the season to give the Fuel a thrilling 5-4 to victory in Wheeling. And what really was a must-win game for the Fuel's playoff hopes, the Fuel playing Wheeling five times in a two-week stretch, and they have won three out of the first four meetings between those two squads. Sunday afternoon, the Fuel returned home to take on the Kalamazoo Wings, and it was a game where the Fuel really dominated. They outshot the K-Wings 38-16, to and Darian Craighead hit a milestone, scoring his 20th goal of the season in the first period. Bradford across the Fuel line, left side shoots and misses high. Lively Karam on the rebound, comes out to neutralize Gagnon. Gains the Kalamazoo line. Feeds it to Craighead down the middle. Shoots and scores! Darian Craighead with a power play goal! And the Fuel lead it one to nothing. The goal comes off the rush. As Gagnon gains the line and fed it to Craighead in the slot. And he had time to tee it up. Jan Mondot would later give the Fuel a 2-1 to lead in the second, but Kalamazoo's power play, which has just been tremendous against the Fuel this year, clicking at a 45% clip, clicked again. Matty Acapelli, a former Fuel player, scored twice in the second period to give the K-Wings the lead, and they would add two goals in the final four minutes of the third to go on to win that game 5-2. to And so that sets up this week. The Fuel taking on Cincinnati on Wednesday, and again, when the Fuel played the Cyclones last, Indy really dominated the game in a 4-1 to victory a week and a half ago, and it's one of three meetings remaining with the Cyclones in the final 10, two of which will be here in Indy. And then a quick road trip Friday night back to Wheeling, Saturday night in Toledo. It'll be the first time we will have seen the walleye in quite a while. And then Sunday against the Iowa Heartlanders, also the first time we will have seen Iowa in quite a while. So another four in five coming up for the Fuel with a pair of games at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum. One note on that Sunday game, it is a five o'clock faceoff just like last Sunday, to give the team a little bit more time to recover after playing a road game on Saturday night. Those Saturday night Sundays are pretty quick turnarounds as it is, but it's an especially quick turnaround when you factor in travel. And so to mitigate that a little bit, they have moved the start time back from 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock. We have a number of guests for you on this edition of the podcast. Our first is the interim head coach of the Indy Fuel, Duncan Del Mayo. He was named the Fuels coach on March 14th and then won his debut a few nights later. And the horn sounds, the Indy Fuel. Snap a three-game home-losing streak and a two-game skid by knocking off the Wheeling Nailers 6-4. to four. And now I see uh, Derek Army, the wheeling coach, walks over to the fuel coaching staff to congratulate Duncan Del Mayo and Cole Bell 
on their first ECHL victories in their respective roles. Duncan Del Mayo wins his debut as a professional head coach. The Fuel went at 6-4 over the Wheeling Nailers. Two goals early in the third proved to be the difference. Spencer Watson and Chad Yetman scoring a minute 27 seconds apart to give the Fuel a two-goal lead. We're joined by the newly minted head coach of the Indy Fuel, Duncan Del Mayo, here in our first intermission tonight. And, Coach, obviously you've been around this team uh, all season, but we've talked pregame about moving into the head coaching role, but tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and how you've been working with this team and what your roles have been as an assistant coach and how that's going to help prepare you to, to now move one seat down on the bench and, and take over. Well, obviously, I mean, it's a different dynamic to the assistant coach and uh, basically the way I try to do it personally is just to try to build a rapport with the guys. Obviously, you try to build a rapport right from the beginning and then you can get into the development and the corrections and the encouragement and, uh, you know, and, and, and all those kind of things that, that go into to, to trying to get them to be better players. And, and, and most of these guys... Um, you know, have, have been around enough and seen enough different coaches that they know what uh, works for them. And uh, as long as you kind of tap into that, or even have a conversation with them about how they want to be coached, um, you, you can you can really get the best out of them that way. And like I said, um, it, you know, the the generation has changed, and these guys don't respond to the you know kicking the rear end all the time anymore. And you got to find different ways to to reach them. And the best coaches aren't the ones that know the most. They're the ones that can get the guys to do what they're supposed to do consistently. And to do that, they have to know that you care. And to do that, you have to, you know, treat them with respect and make sure that they uh, that, that they understand that you have empathy for, you know, anything that might be going on in their personal lives or, or stuff like that. And it's not just about the player or the person they are at the rink. It's about uh, the player or the person they are overall. And as long as they know that you care and you want them to, to succeed – they're usually nine out of ten times gonna gonna, gonna try and do their best, uh, not only for themselves, for their teammates, for you as well. So, you know, uh, switching roles, uh, you put that in perspective, and you kind of use it the same way. And I'm lucky enough to have a rapport with all these guys. And to their credit, like I said earlier, they don't take advantage of that. They they really um, they really have, have uh, shown a lot of respect in, in the way that things have changed. But at the same time, they're they were happy to keep you know the the personal level of, of our relationships intact. And I think that's been beneficial for you know the, at least the last three days. And we'll see how it goes this weekend. You come from Brampton, where you worked uh, before as an assistant coach. What was the transition like going from? one organization to the other and obviously working with a number of different head coaches you've worked with? It's it's good experience. I mean, uh, no head coach is ever going to be the same. Uh, there's different dynamics. They do things differently, uh, the same way I do things differently. And in the end, um, I mean, I can't. I have nothing great to say, but but great things to say about uh, you know Branton and obviously mm-hmm. Indy here. Um, you know, Branton. You know, our fan base wasn't that big per se, but the organization was first class in the way they treated the players and the coaches and and the staff. And you know, Indy is. I came. You know, there's not enough to say about Indy, right? I mean, the, look at the facility. Uh, look at the way you know they, they do things, the front office, how they conduct themselves, the way they get the players out in the community, the things that are done, the fan base is unbelievable, supporting the guys, 
always loud, raucous, raucous crowds. Uh, you know, it's very supportive of the team. And you know, obviously our, our president, our owner, from top bottom to top, like great organization. And they just set everyone up for everyone up for success. And as a coach or a staff or as a player or anything like that, you can't ask for anything else than that. And uh, if they're doing that, then then you, you feel comfortable in what you do, and it, it gives you a little bit of hop in your step when you come to the rink to get jobs done uh, for people that are kind of setting the table for you to, to make that happen. Well, one thing I know that you're well known for is you're a skills coach. And describe what that means and how you help guys just get better at the details of their games. That's exactly it. I'm glad you used that last word. It is the details. When guys get to this level, they're they're polished players. Uh, all we're trying to do is get into the nitty-gritty of some of the stuff they do, whether it's the release of, of when they shoot the puck or how they pass or where their hands are positioned uh, when they're doing things. It's just small, tiny things that make a difference. And all you try to do is pinpoint those things, uh, produce a plan that they're comfortable with to, to help them fix it, and then turn around and uh, practice it as much as they can and hopefully get it to, you know, bring it to the execution of the game or, or whatever it is they're doing. So, um, I mean, it's fun. Uh, it's something that you develop over time. Um, and we have some really skilled guys here. And the, the beauty part about it is that I learn just as much as they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, every year you spend with a different player, you learn things that they know, they learn things that you know. It's a learning experience every day. And like I said, these guys have been absolutely fantastic top to bottom. And um, it's been really fun, really fun working with these guys. X's and O's wise, is there a philosophy that you really like to to follow or you somebody that really likes to play a skating game like play a heavy game pretty much tailor what you have to your personnel or is there something you really prefer yeah in the end I think it's uh, especially with the league the way it is you have to tailor you know the, the, the type of t- uh, style of game that you're playing to mm-hmm. the type of team that you have right you have to go with what, you, what your personnel you know, provide you. I mean, we have a fast, skilled team, so we want to hold on to the puck. We want to possess the puck. We want to make sure that we're we're using our speed to, to back teams off. Um, and 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 in the end, see if they can play at a pace that uh, for three periods. Mm-hmm. And I think we've shown when we come out and done that for, for sixty minutes that it's very hard for a lot of teams, or if not most teams, to play at that pace. And, and match our skill and do those type of things. It's just that when we get out of our our comfort zones or our our, our you know our, our lanes, mm-hmm. if you want to call them that, that's when we get a little bit of trouble. But then again, that's why it's a developmental league, and you're trying to move these guys up, and they're trying to get better. And it's all about recognizing those things and trying to teach them the best way to, to, to be successful and set them up for that success. You're a former ECHL Defenseman of the Year from your playing days a couple decades ago. How can you translate what you've done as a player to your coaching uh, career? I think it's a lot about empathy with the guys, right? I mean, it's, the game's changed completely. Obviously, they, they I mean, with the, with the day and age, they know what I've done. Mm-hmm. I know what they've done. That you know, they, they understand the type of player I was. And for the most part, you're trying to help them, and you're trying to just you're just trying to give them everything you didn't have. Mm-hmm. And you're also you, you can provide empathy in the fact that you've been where they've been. I played three and threes. I've been there, guys. I understand it's hard. All right, but uh, you know, I, I try my best to 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 make them understand that I that I that I see their point of view. Mm-hmm. Which is something that's lost sometimes with with young younger generations. They want to know that you understand what they're, where they're coming from because they feel that you don't. But uh, when you can provide that, and when you put that into the decision making, or you 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 put that into conversations, they really feel you know uh, understood, and they feel empathized, and they feel like you know you care. Which goes back to what I was talking about before. And at that point, they're gonna they're gonna do their best for you. That's all you can really ask them for. But I mean, you have to you have to do the work to to build a rapport and do those things with the players. Well, thanks, Coach. Good luck tonight in this season. Anytime. Thank you very much. That was Duncan Dalmeo, the head coach of the Indy Fuel. 
taking over for Doug Christensen late here in the season. And speaking of guys who have taken over late in the season, Spencer Watson has been on a roll. He played his 250th ECHL game on Wednesday night before that 4-1 to victory over the Wheeling Nailers. And Waddy now coming into this week in his last Seven games, has five goals and three assists, has 28 goals on the season, inching closer to his second career 30-goal campaign and is three goals shy of tying his single-season record with 31 goals in a season. He's also five goals shy of Josh Shallis' club record for goals in an Indy Fuel sweater. Here is our conversation with Spencer Watson. Spencer, this weekend you reached a milestone of 25 goals, your second 25-goal season in three years. Describe the year you've had and to, to be able to hit that milestone again. Um, yeah, it's been uh, pretty cool to be able to do that. Um, you know, uh, doing that um, here in India as well is pretty, pretty awesome. I uh, hope the fans enjoyed that. But, uh, um, yeah, no, the year's been uh, up and down, and uh, obviously results haven't been like our way, but anytime you can pull a positive out of your own game is pretty cool. Last year, I know you battled injuries a lot. How nice has it been to be mostly healthy this year and be able to be able to play a lot and, and have the year you've had? Yeah, last year was tough. Um, I mean, everyone has those years where it's either injuries or sickness or, or whatever it might be. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was difficult to play last year just to get in the rhythm of things. But uh, um, this year I'm fortunate that I've been healthy and uh, been able to play majority of the games. And, um, you know, as a hockey player, you want to play the most you can and uh, at, the, at the highest level possible. So I'm um, pretty happy with that for sure. You mentioned playing at the highest level possible. You got a little call up to the AHL a couple of months ago. How nice was it for you to get that opportunity again to to, to play a couple games in the A? Yeah, that's uh, that's obviously um, you know a, a huge step in uh, any player's career, um, either call up or or anything um, like that, whether it's signing a contract or, or whatnot. So, um, yeah, it's, it's cool to look back and reflect on those times. Uh, and, uh, you know, as a player, kind of kind of tells you that, you know, you've worked hard and you deserve um, opportunities like that. So um, it's, only, it's only positive uh, when, when something like that happens to you. When you came here to Indy, you were traded essentially from the Kings organization to the Blackhawks organization, but you re-signed that summer here. What is it that you have liked about Indy in the three years you've been here? Yeah, I love it here. Um, you know, obviously the relationships I've I've made with uh, you know, hockey operations and uh, you know coaching staff um, and, and all the all the guys that I've brought came came through here. Uh, you know, it's been great. I, I think uh, everyone that's come through here has been uh, really supportive and uh, re- just really good people. And um, again, the town is lovely. I, lo- I love I love the atmosphere here. I love there's there's things to do and um, for me it's it's cool to have my family only like 
six hours away that that's drivable for them to, to see me. So um, I think all of that plays a role in that, and um, you know I've really enjoyed my time here. Adding Brian Lemos to your line, uh, describe what what he has done as somebody who can win a lot of faceoffs and, and and get you the puck. Yeah, he's been a really really good um, asset that we've acquired. Um, you know, he does everything right. He's always in the right spots. Uh, he works hard, and um, you know I think me and Yanni really respect and appreciate um, you know the style of play he does and um, at the end of the day you can always count on him to, to do the right thing so just kind of makes it easier on, on me and Yanni. Describe the chemistry you and Yana built this year. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a dynamic player, uh, unbelievable shot, really skilled. Um, you know, uh, he's here for a reason, and uh, I think I think we've seen seen why why he was brought in because he's he's an unbelievable player, and um, I think our line has just uh, clicked in the last few months, and um, it's been really fun to play with those two, and um, I'm sure they feel the same way. Your goal Sunday, you basically hammered it through the goaltender, and uh, you know a, a guy who's played the NHL and won a couple of games in the NHL to boot. What's it, what's it like for you as a shooter? when you're able to not necessarily just pick your corner but literally just shoot it through the guy like you did on Sunday. Yeah, um, I always say, you know, uh, you know, if you shoot the puck, um, you know, good things will happen. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it might not necessarily have been that that goal, but uh, if you're doing the right things throughout the game, uh, you know sometimes uh, you're not fortunate enough for for the bounces um, all game, and um, if you just keep sticking with it, sometimes you just go in for you uh, after a, a hard fought game. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's cool to see those go in, and uh, you know I, when they're going in, they go in. So it's uh, it's pretty cool to for that to happen. It's a it's a really cool feeling. Third time facing Wheeling in basically six days. You're going to see him again here a couple more times the next couple of weeks. What's it like? And I know you've dealt with this a lot last year, playing the same team multiple times in a row. Well, we always know it's going to be a pretty tight game today. Um, both teams know each other from the whole year, but especially the last couple of games, we, we were accustomed to one another. So um, I don't expect it to be a blowout either way. I expect it to be um, tight hockey, um, maybe one two-goal game, um, if that. And um, Yeah, I think each team knows exactly what each team brings to the table, so um, we're all prepared and ready for it. So um, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a hard battle, and um, hopefully we come on, on the winning end there. Describe the relationship you've got with Duncan and you know how things have changed since he's taken over. Yeah, he's uh, obviously he's, he's stepped in and done a really good job. I think... Uh, um, He's, he's brought a, uh, a level of, of youth, maybe you know. Um, he's a younger guy. He kind of gets uh, he kind of gets how 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 we're all thinking and whatnot. And um, and I think uh, more importantly, he, he wants to win um, just like anyone else. So um, no matter what our situation is, he's came and he's he's brought that compete and willing to win. And I think we've all kind of um, strapped on that and, and, and got to work for him. And uh, it's uh, it's. it's it's been, it's been good for him and uh, good, um, good for all the guys as well. Defenseman Tanner Butler has been really solid since coming up to the fuel. He was signed in the morning of March 20th from the Evansville Thunderbolts. He played Saturday night with Evansville, drove up 
to Indy on Sunday, and his first shift was a penalty-killing shift against the Cincinnati Cyclones. He was plus two and had an assist in that game. And then a couple of nights later, on March 23rd against Wheeling, scored his first ECHL goal. He had played 80 games with Evansville over two seasons, tallying 24 points and had been playing very well with them. Also played last year for a couple of teams in Sweden after playing five years of college hockey in Canada at Red Deer College. Here he is, one of the newest members of the Fuel, defenseman Tanner Butler. Tanner, it's been a bit of a whirlwind week for you. What has it been like uh, being called up Saturday night, Sunday morning, driving up, and then immediately jumping in and uh, and posting a plus two and contributing to a win on Sunday? Yeah, I know it's been great. Uh, the staff's been great. The guys have been great. Um, obvious little uh, change of pace with the speed, and uh, but uh, you know what? It didn't take very long to get used to it, and uh, but I feel very comfortable here. It's it's been it's been a good journey. Let's say how quick of a turnaround is it when you get that call up from the SP where you've got to essentially turn around and report to a new team? It happened all quick. Uh, we played in Evansville on Saturday and uh, right after the game I got the call. So uh, it uh, didn't really kick in until about the next day when I got here. But uh, no, it's like I said, it's, it's been great and I'm happy to be here. 30 years of pro, what, what has been kind of the, the growth in your game from year one in Evansville through last year and you're up to now this year? Um, obviously, it's a little bit different coming from college and then right into the pro level. Um, uh, the speed, I think the speed was one of the biggest things, and obviously you're playing against men. Uh-huh. You're playing against guys that are, you know, three, four, five years older than you, so... Uh um, it's been different, but uh, like I said, it's, it's been great. Five years at Red Deer College. Uh, how did that help prepare you for the professional level? Uh, quite a bit, actually. I'm coming out of junior. I played junior A um, back home in Manitoba. Um, but uh, it wasn't too much of a difference going from junior to college. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been good. You mentioned the difference in speed. What's the biggest change in levels going from the SP to this league? Uh, it's probably like I said, like the speed. Obviously, mm-hmm. the speed. Um, you're playing against guys that are really mature. Uh, they played at a higher level than I than I'm used to. So, uh, um, but it's like it's like I said, it's uh, it's nothing that I can. can uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, okay. The um, how long did it take you? I mean, your first shift, if I remember right, on Sunday was a penalty kill. Uh, was that something where it allowed you to kind of get right into the game and get right into the flow right away? Yeah, obviously, it's uh, that's not the first shift that you always want to happen, but uh, it did, and um, you know, it got me right into the game right away, being physical, um, you know, and uh, just getting used to the getting used to this level of speed. So. What uh, what was the feeling the other night getting your first ECHL goal in your second game? Oh, it was great. Obviously, uh, you kind of black out your first one, but uh, no, it happened, and I kind of went back and watched it, and it was uh, it was a great feeling. Just describe that play. It looks like you were able to get some speed around the D, but uh, was it a case where you just saw the rebound and just kept whacking at it until you were able to find an opening? Yeah, I saw the puck stop at her blue line, so uh, their two guys kept on going past it, so I saw the puck. And you know, I stepped up, grabbed it, and took it wide. I found a lane and took it to the net. And uh, obviously, I didn't score my first opportunity, but uh, I took a couple whacks at it and eventually went in. 
Describe yourself as a player. What type of player are you? Uh, I feel like my game's all around. Um, obviously, I can create offensive chances, too, and I can put the puck in the net if need be. Um, but obviously, my defensive game is pretty strong, too. And obviously, uh, coming to this high level, um, defensive is one of the first things that you need to take control of first. So. Where was that moment when you were playing in junior A, playing in college, where you thought a professional career is going to be an opportunity for me? Um, the first couple of years, I didn't think that an opportunity was going to happen. But uh, as the years went on, um, I feel, felt like my game was kind of developing. And uh, a couple guys came up to me and they said, why, why don't you go try pro? And you know, I, I had the opportunity down in Evansville, so I took the opportunity and jumped all over. And um, it's been nothing but great. So. What's been your favorite thing about being with this team here so far this week? Just being around the guys. Um, it's a very close group in there. Um, obviously, the coaching staff has been great. So the minute I walked in the door, I felt comfortable. I felt right at home. So um, stepping on that ice for the first time, I didn't have any nerves, and I just kind of went out there and played my game. So, What are your goals for the rest of the year? Uh, obviously... Uh, my goal is to be up here. Um, mm -hmm. We'll see what happens come down the road. But, uh, um, you know, just kind of just developing my game and being stronger and just finding out what I need to do to be at this level and stick here for a full season. So, What's been maybe a favorite moment or a favorite memory from your hockey career? Uh, my favorite moment was probably being drafted uh, to the WHL um, going into junior. But uh, come down the stretch, obviously, um, so far it's probably scoring my first ECHL goal. So. Well, hopefully there will be a few more coming after that one, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully. That's defenseman Tanner Butler. Our final guest is Fuel defenseman Chris Cameron, one of the few rookies signed to this team. He had played with the Barry Colts of the Ontario Hockey League and signed in the offseason. And he is a big stay-at-home defenseman, has 65 penalty minutes in 26 games, a guy who very much defends his teammates, but he's also been really, really good on the back end as he comes into the week as a plus nine rating over those 26 games. He had to miss about six weeks in the middle of the season with an illness, non-COVID illness, but has come back and has been a tremendous mainstay on the fuels blue line he's the only right shot defenseman on the team as well so he's the one guy who knows he's never going to have to play as offside and uh, has been really really solid on saturday night he scored his first goal since before christmas when he tallied the first goal for the fuel against the wheeling nailers here is our conversation with fuel defenseman chris cameron chris uh, coming into today you're more of a stay-at-home guy but you find the back of the net last night scoring the first goal and what turned out to be a really important win for you guys uh, describe what that meant for you especially being somebody who doesn't always get a chance to to find the back of the net from the blue line yeah, I definitely don't score as much as some of the other guys. Mm -hmm. um, so when I do, it's it's pretty exciting for me. Mm -hmm. uh, usually, usually I don't know how to react to it. <laughs> Just kind of give like a weird celebration. But um, it's always nice to contribute in a game, especially like last night. Um, that's a big win for us to kind of keep things rolling and make sure we stay headed in the right direction. Um, and yeah, I was happy to be able to help out. Got good passes from my teammates, and glad glad it worked out. It was a good feeling. You've really had a solid season, and especially the latter part of this year. Describe how your year has gone, especially as we've come into the second half of the season since you've been able to come back. Yeah, I, I had a little bit of a 
a tumultuous season, honestly. Like, I got sick for pretty much the entire middle portion of the season, and that was that was a really weird thing for me to come back from. Um, but since being back, uh, it's been nice to just kind of get my legs under me. That was, the, that was the first part of coming back, obviously. Like, when you miss basically a month and a half of so many games, you want to make sure that your body feels right. And then, it's obviously, your timing and stuff. Um, so in-game play, it was difficult to adjust at first. But then as you start to get more games on your belt, it's like you ride a bike again. You start making your plays. And then <clears throat> for me, like, establishing physical presence um, and, like you mentioned earlier, being able to defend hard and make it difficult for other teams, um, that's just what I usually try to focus on. And thankfully... I mean, it seems like it's been helping the team lately, so I'm just going to try to keep it going. As a defenseman, do you take as much pride in blocking shots and clearing out the net front and doing those little things as, say, uh, some of the guys up front doing in-scoring goals? Yeah, absolutely. Like, for me, for me, blocking shots, making hits, um, even just being able to shut plays down, like, off the entry and stuff, that's the stuff that kind of – that's the mark of a good game for me. Like – Whereas one of our right wingers, like Craigie, might score two goals a game, that's a good game for him. Mm-hmm. For me, if I've been very physical and know for a fact they don't want to come near me in the D zone mm-hmm. and don't allow them to score on me, that's that's my two goal game. As somebody who plays a real physical game, how difficult is it to walk that line between being really physical but not crossing that line, but still being a really difficult guy to play against? Um, at first, when you kind of start, it is a little bit more challenging because mm-hmm. it, it also depends on the coach. Like, if, mm-hmm. I don't know, in teams past, like, I've been on been under coaches where it's like, just go wild, mm-hmm. and that's, that's not exactly how I want to play. Like, I want to mm-hmm. be a stable just presence mm-hmm. out there more so than just a wild card. Um, but finding the line is basically, like, if if something uncalled for happens from the other team, that's the line. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it's not like as long as you don't skate around out there just trying to agitate everyone or like taking penalties on purpose just to get in people's faces, that's not necessarily what we want because mm-hmm. we want to make sure we're even strength as much as possible. But, um, I mean, finishing checks is something that I'll always do and then mm-hmm. sticking up for my guys is another huge part of my game, so that's that for me, that's the line. It's one thing Coach has said is you guys really seem to like each other in the room, and as a result, you're going to stick up for each other. And does that closeness that you guys have lead to that closeness on the ice as well? Oh, definitely. Like this is we have an unbelievable group of guys in the room. Um, I, I really mean that. Like mm-hmm. I have not been on many teams that are as close as we are. Like, everybody, everybody genuinely likes being around each other. We all like hanging out. And when you're that tight-knit, like, you can't, yeah, you can't help but want to stick up for each other. Like, and you want to see guys do well. So even if you're not the one that's doing that well, but you're pulling the rope in the right direction for your teammate to do well, that's, I think that's the mark of the close team, and we have that for sure. How did your years in the Ontario Hockey League prepare you to, to play professionally? Um, I'd say most of all from a style of play, mm-hmm. like it, I know it's major junior, not technically pro, but it's definitely a pro style of play, mm-hmm. um, pro schedule, the games flow more like professional games. Um, and it's a professional environment as well. Mm-hmm. Like 
in college, you're not worried about getting traded, released, all that good stuff. Um, that becomes a very real thing for you in the Ontario League when you're 16 for a lot of guys. So um, just being exposed to that from a young age and kind of going through the trials and tribulations as a teenager mm-hmm. has equipped me to be able to handle the same ups and downs that you'd experience in professional hockey now. Say, so, hey, who's the best guy you played against in the Ontario League? Oh, uh, <laughs> you played against some good ones. I'm yeah, sure. yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of standout players. Um, actually, one of the guys that I'd noticed the most, we didn't play him too often, but he just got traded to Chicago, Boris Kachuk. Mm-hmm. Um, he flies around out there. Jordan Cairo, very good. Uh, Nick Suzuki, very good. Just guys that play the complete game. And then I had a chance to play with uh, Sveshikov mm-hmm. on Carolina, and I think he's overall probably one of the more elite guys that – it's been on the ice with me, so yeah, there's a lot of talent up there for sure, and it definitely prepares you for being able to handle things here. How has your game improved from the beginning of the season to now? Um, from the beginning of the season to now, I've gotten a lot more comfortable just making snap decisions. Um, I've always been able to play hard, like I can bring that, but just being able to read plays and kind of make those little area touches and stuff. That's something that I really wanted to work on, and also like gap control, defending, and all that good stuff. Stuff that comes with uh, comes more so once you get into the games and get your flow going. Um, that's where I think I've been able to make the most strides. We have one final guest on this edition of the podcast. It's fuel defenseman Bryson Martin, who has six points in 31 games since coming to the fuel from the Maine Mariners right after the Christmas holiday. Really solid puck mover on the back end for the fuel after being acquired as the future considerations for Nick Pirog as part of a three-way trade on December 30th. He's played a number of games in the ECHL over his five professional seasons, and we're glad to have him here in Indy. Here's our conversation with defenseman Bryson Martin. You've been with the Fuel a couple of months now since uh, coming from Maine. What's that like to be traded mid-season and, and join a new team and and work your way into the lineup with a, a new group of guys? Uh, it's definitely a challenge. I mean, you have to learn a whole new system. You got to get incorporated with a whole new group of guys, and you know you got to see where you fit in the team and what role you you're going to need to play. And uh, I think figuring out those things first and foremost are a big contri- contributor in uh, joining a new group. Well, what's that transition been like here in Indy? Uh, it's been really good. Doug's been amazing. Duncan's been amazing. And I'm getting to know the, all the guys really well, and they're they're awesome. Now, what has been your favorite thing about being here in Indy so far? Uh, I just think the group of guys that we have, everybody getting along. It's a fun group to be around, and, uh, I mean, it makes coming to the rink very enjoyable. The weekend you had last weekend in Orlando, number one, it looked like you guys had just a good team trip down there. But to, to do that and also come away with three out of a possible four points, you know, how important was that leading into this stretch of games that you have coming up? I think it was really important. You know, we all know what position we're in in the standings, and we know what we have to do to get ourselves out of there. And we see the the player movement going on around us, and you know it's time for us to it's time for us to get this ball rolling. And you know it was good. They were there were some very good building building blocks on that trip, 
And that first game in Orlando was a, was a full 60 minutes and it was, it was a fun game to play in. And it showed us that we are capable of doing that. And now we just have to come in and do it every night. Last year, you played a little bit in Europe. What was that like as far as transitioning from the North American game to playing, uh, playing in Poland? Uh, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a faster paced type of game. There's a lot of room out there. So guys are hanging onto the puck a lot longer and making, making more plays because they do have the room to do it. And, uh, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a type of style of game where a skilled player can excel. And I was fortunate enough to have a bunch of North Americans on my team. So getting acclimated there wasn't too hard because I, I had guys who were bilingual and it just made, it just made transitioning very, very easy. You come back here to North America. This is your sixth pro season now. How much does that help as far as, do you really see yourself now as somebody who works with and mentors some of the younger guys and helps show them the ropes as as they transition into pro hockey? I mean, in in Maine, that was uh, that was something I took a lot of pride in. We had uh, we had a pretty young core there, so I tried to help out as much as I could and just be as vocal as possible. But as far as here in Indy, we uh, we have a we have a very good very good leadership group, and we have a, an older semi-older team so guys guys know what they need to do and they don't they don't need that extra voice around but uh, i definitely communicate a lot and just try to help out my teammates as much as i can and you've were you've played since coming to indy with a lot of different partners is that part of just being a being a veteran where you can really slot in with whomever whether it's whiz or um yeah i know you played with ryan zulsdorf a lot uh, whomever you're skating with You've got an opportunity to really build some chemistry with them. Yeah, no, I uh, I've enjoyed playing with all the guys on the team. So uh, it's nice it's nice to get an opportunity to play with those guys and uh, kind of figure out the way that they they play and try and read off of them. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. How would you describe yourself as a player? Uh, I'm just a a good pass first defenseman who likes to skate. I pride myself on my skating, and uh, I use it in all aspects of my game. Is that something that's really evolved as your professional career has has unfolded? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Five years in the Western Hockey League, how did that prepare you for for being a pro? Um, I mean, it prepares you to play a lot of games, and it teaches you the things that you can and can't do in order to be successful while playing this many games because a junior skit like pro, it's nice. You get the nice sleeper bus and you get the nicer hotels, but in juniors, you're, you're a lot of time spending a lot of hours on those buses and it can be a grind. And I know it's, we're all young and energetic, but, uh, you know, in pro, you have to figure out how to do that because you won't always be energetic like that. Growing up in Calgary, what was the moment where you thought, this is a chance, that, there's a chance I can make this my career and, and be a professional? Um, I mean, it had to have been my, my draft year, getting drafted by Buffalo. You know, that's one step, one check off the, one check of the box and, you know, unfortunately it hasn't, it didn't pan out in me with playing in the NHL, but you know, I learn, 
I've learned from each year I've played professionally and, uh, you know, I just try to take things day by day and just enjoy the game. Yeah. How much has your game grown since you had that uh, rookie year in Rochester and Elmira? Uh, definitely a lot of maturity, definitely a lot of maturity in my game on the ice, off the ice. I just think, I just think you have to, you have to learn, you have to learn from your mistakes and what you do with those mistakes can be a big deterrent on your career. What has been a favorite memory or a favorite moment from throughout your hockey career? Uh, favorite memory. It's actually funny. I've, I've only ever scored one overtime goal and it was three years ago in, uh, in Maine where I actually scored an, a pretty nice overtime goal against, uh, Gilly when he, while he was in Worcester. So, uh, that was, that was a pretty exciting moment because we actually came back in the game and it was, uh, it was a fun, t- fun time for sure. You remind Gilly of that every now and then? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so what is a, a favorite rink you have played in, uh, whether it's a, a rink you've called home or maybe a road rink uh, and, and also a favorite road city to visit? That's a good question. Um, road city, um, I'd probably say uh, Newfoundland. Um, it's a cool spot to go right there on the water. And, uh, you know, you're always, you're always going there for multiple games. So you actually get a chance to like sightsee and, you know, get, spend some quality time with your teammates and whatnot. So it's always a good time. So that's probably my favorite road city, favorite road rink. I want to say Idaho. I, I really enjoyed Idaho's rink and the ice there's, the ice there's really, really good. What are your goals for the rest of the year here in Indy? Um, I want to help this team make the playoffs and do my best to set myself up for the future, hopefully here. And that's Bryson Martin. I want to thank him, Chris Cameron, Tanner Butler, Spencer Watson, and Duncan Dalmail for their time and allowing us to play these interviews for you on our Under the Hood podcast. All intermission interviews that have aired during previous games, and we're glad to be able to Present them to you for posterity here on Under the Hood. The Indy Fuel have another four in five coming up again Wednesday the 30th, 7 o'clock against the Cincinnati Cyclones. Road games on Friday in Wheeling, Saturday in Toledo, and then back home Sunday to take on Iowa for a family fun day at 5 o'clock. Our broadcast will begin 15 minutes prior to puck drop on both Flow Hockey and our audio stream, which you can find at IndyFuelHockey.com. Want to thank you for listening to this edition of Under the Hood. I am the broadcast voice of the fuel, Andrew Smith. We'll see you at the rink. Thanks for going under the hood with the Indy Fuel. For more, keep visiting IndyFuelHockey.com.